You don't know what talent is? Talent is uh, forgetting uh, to announce uh, all of the boxes that we have uh, in front of us here uh, during the announcements that I step over it to come up here. Uh, but failed to announce that we, we collected 68 uh, boxes uh, for the Samaritan's Purse. So kudos to all of you. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, word is we still have uh, two boxes that can be sponsored. If anybody is interested, uh, go see Jen. Uh, but a, a wonderful uh, opportunity for us uh, to spread love uh, throughout uh, the world, as these will be uh, distributed uh, through uh, Samaritan's Purse all throughout uh, the world, uh, which is uh, pretty awesome. So uh, now that we are over identifying what talent is and what talent isn't, um, I want you all uh, to imagine with me for a minute. So put on your imagination caps. Let me, let me see everybody put on your imagination cap. Take it out of your pocket. Put it on top of your head. There you go. Your ladies who aren't blessed with pockets, take it out of uh, the seat next to you. Put it on. Uh, so um, I know, ladies... You, 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 jip, you get jipped out of pockets, and I apologize for that. They're an immense blessing. Uh, but imagine you are one of many employees of a large corporation. Uh, we will say uh, we work for a company called Smith's Enterprise, uh, owned by John Smith. Uh, so one day, you are working alongside all of your other coworkers, and you hear over the large uh, intercom, uh, insert your name, please come down to Mr. Smith's office, dun-dun-dun, and your heart skips a beat. You start to panic. Your mind thinks of all the terrible reasons that he could be calling you into his office. You're thinking, oh, man, am I about to get fired? Did I do something wrong? And your mind thinks about all these different possibilities. And so you drop what you're doing. You weave your way uh, through all of your other coworkers. You kind of keep your head down because you're embarrassed in front of all your other coworkers uh, to be called down uh, to the owner's office. And so you approach Mr. Smith's office. You see that the doors close, and you pause one last second. You close your eyes and take that deep breath to try and calm your nerves. So you go, and you go knock on the door, and Mr. Smith says, yes, come on in. He calls you in. And so as you open the door, you see Mr. Smith, the owner of this company that you're working for, sitting at his desk, and he calls you, in, and he tells you to go ahead and take a seat. So you sit down opposite of him uh, from his desk, and you're sitting there all uptight and nervous, and, but don't worry. He sees that you're nervous, so he tells you, you can relax. You're not getting fired. You didn't do anything wrong, and so you take a big sigh of relief, and instead, he tells you, here is my personal credit card. I need you to go make a couple of purchases for the business, and I want you to spend it carefully and wisely purchasing some things that we need as a company. And I want you to come back and, and give the account. Boy, oh boy, if this were to happen to you, you would not misuse any of the funds that he has trusted you with. Many of us would probably keep an organized record of everything that we spent with his card, as we don't want to be that guy or that gal that misuses his or hers owner's uh, money, his personal money, his personal credit card. And so you go and, and you make a handful of purchases uh, for the company with Mr. Smith's credit card. And you keep an orderly account of everything that you purchased. You didn't waste uh, any money on anything silly. They, they were all meaningful 
purchases. And so a week later, you return uh, to Mr. Smith's office, you hand him uh, his credit card, and you hand him a statement of, of everything that you purchased with his card. Um, and, and he's very well pleased with your work and everything that you purchased. And he thanks you for your service. Life is good. Everybody lived happily ever after. All right, you can take your imagination caps off. So on the one hand, if your boss handed you his credit card to make uh, some purchases for the business, I think all of us would handle it with much, much care. Now, my question is, how many of us would handle our own funds with the same sort of care that we would for our boss's funds? And I'm guessing for a lot of us, we, we probably would not handle our own funds with that same sort of care if we were handed the owner of the company that we work for his personal credit card. So my question is, why do we often not hold that same mentality towards the money that God has blessed us with? Oftentimes, we may, we may be a, a lot more willy-nilly with the funds uh, that God has blessed us with. And uh, if we feel obliged to spend our owner's money very carefully, how much more should we be careful in spending God's money that he has enabled us to temporarily manage? As remember, it all belongs to God. That every single penny in your bank account, every penny, every dollar in your wallet, in your piggy bank, that all belongs to God. And so why often do we not hold that same sort of care and reverence for, for the resources that God has blessed us with to, to temporarily manage, but ultimately all belong to him? And today uh, we're going to discuss uh, this dilemma this morning as we continue our series on being a good steward of God's money. And so we started uh, this series a few weeks ago talking about four proper Christian feelings towards money and these four proper Christian feelings towards money that serves as a framework for the rest of our discussion. And I want you all to name, anybody, can anybody name any one of the four proper Christian feelings that we should have towards money? Just blurt it out. Don't do this to me, guys. Don't do this to me. Blurt it out. It's God's money, yes. Very good. It all belongs to God. It, it is not our money. That, that, that is a proper Christian feeling that we should have towards money. It's not ours, even though it's sitting in uh, our wallets and the bank accounts uh, that we temporarily manage. It does not belong to us. It ultimately belongs to God. Yes. Can anybody uh, name another one of the four proper feelings towards money? Don't trust money. Yes, Chloe, you nailed it. Yes, don't trust money. How foolish it is to put our trust in the uncertainties of riches. You know, it, it was a very convenient timing in talking about putting our trust in, in, in the uncertainties of riches as uh, right when we were talking about that, a huge hurricane came and devastated thousands of people's homes in, in Florida. And we see right there, we should not put our trust in our riches because at the snap of the fingers, all of our riches can be taken away from us. So you nail it, Chloe. Don't put our trust in our riches, in our, in our finances, in our money. We got two left. Can you, does anybody know one of the two that's missing? Do not serve money. Yes, do not serve money. 
Jesus says, this isn't a law, this isn't a law that we're giving, a command of God, thou shalt not serve money. He, he says it, it's a fact of life. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. It is impossible. And so we cannot serve money. Chloe, you got the last one? Don't love money. Give it up for Chloe. You rock. I see she's taking notes. That's diligent. I love that, Chloe. So yes, don't love money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so when you understand these four feelings of money, that that then sets a framework for then our discussion on how we earn money, how we save money, how we spend money, and how we give away the money that God has blessed us with. And so that's been been our focus uh, after that first week. It's talking about how we spend, earn, uh, and give away the resources that God has blessed us with. And so last week, uh, we, we started our discussion on how we save and spend the money that God has blessed us with. And we learned that that's very much biblical to save some of the money God has blessed us with. We also learned it's very much biblical to uh, provide for our basic needs with, with the money God has blessed us with. We also learned that it's very much biblical to, to at times indulge in some of our desires with the money that God has blessed us with. And so we have to find a proper balance of how we spend and save our money in these different categories. And on top of that, we also need to use the funds that God has blessed us with to advance his kingdom. And we can advance God's kingdom both by spending money and by giving away money. And so our sole focus today is talking about how we can use our funds to advance God's kingdom. We can do that by spending and giving money. So it kind of serves as a bridge between last week's topic of spending money and next week's topic of giving away our money. So as we talk about using uh, the funds that God has blessed us with to advance God's kingdom, we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 25, the first book of the New Testament. Chapter 25, well, we're going to be uh, reading verses 14 uh, through 30 uh, this morning. So at this uh, point in time in chapter 25, uh, Jesus, he has already triumphantly entered the city of Jerusalem. If you remember the story of Palm Sunday, people laying down the palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. They thought Jesus had come to save them now from the harsh Roman Empire. And Jesus, he triumphantly entered the city, even though he knew that this was the place where he was going to suffer and die at the hands of men. So Jesus here, he is in his last week of his life before his death. And he spent some quality time with his disciples in this last uh, week of his life. And he gathers his disciples and he spends some time teaching them in these last moments that they have together. And it appears uh, sometimes uh, we miss out on, on a few details uh, that the writers don't include. But it appears in, in chapter 24 and, and chapter 25, the, the, these two entire chapters is a big discourse, a big teaching that Jesus has with his disciples alone in his last, in his last week of his life. And so my question then is, well, what, what does he find important to teach in these last moments? And we see uh, in chapter 24, many people are familiar with uh, chapter 24, the, known as the Olivet Discourse. Jesus uh, spends time uh, talking about uh, the, the, the temple uh, being torn down, and he spends time uh, talking about signs of the end, signs of the coming kingdom. 
And he tells the disciples that, that listen up, guys, you, you need to be ready for the kingdom at all times. And you must be ready at all times because the kingdom is going to come. Jesus is going to bring God's kingdom to this earth when, when we are least expecting it. For no one knows that day nor hour, not even Jesus himself at that time knew when he was going to establish God's kingdom here on earth. And so with that being said, if we don't know if it's going to come like a thief at night, we have to be prepared at all times. We have to be ready at all times for the coming of the kingdom. And he then goes and proceeds to tell a couple parables regarding uh, the coming of the kingdom. And that's where we pick up here in, in chapter 25 of Matthew, verse 14. Matthew records, and this is Jesus again teaching his disciples. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, then he went away. And so here again, when we understand the context, for it will be like a man going. Uh, Jesus here, he's talking about the kingdom, the, the kingdom of heaven, the, the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. And this master, this person who owns this property in a parable about the kingdom, he has three servants, and he gives each of his servants different amounts of money. He gives them different talents. Talent is about 20 years worth of a laborer's wage. And so our modern day context, that would be about a million dollars. So one talent in the context of the United States of America, the average person, about a million dollars here uh, is what uh, these different talents uh, represent, 20 years wages. And so to one of his, one of his three servants, he gave five talents. Uh, so so that, that's a lot of money. That, that, that's a big portion uh, of his property here. Uh, to, to another servant, uh, he gave away two talents. And then to a third servant, he, he gave a, a single talent. And so he gave them uh, different amounts. And so here uh, we continue in verse 16. Jesus continues this parable. He says, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So here we see that the, the, servant, the two servants who received five talents and, and the servant who received uh, two talents, they went out and they used that money that the owner entrusted them with, and they went out uh, to make more with that money. On the other hand, here we, we have uh, the, the servant who had uh, just entrusted one talent. And the servant here, when he received that talent from his master, he didn't go and he didn't invest the money. He didn't go and make more talents. Instead, he went and he dug in the ground and he buried his single talent that he received from his owner. And so we see in verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
And so after a long while, we, we don't have an exact time uh, of how much time has transpired, but a long time uh, took place. And, and lo and behold, the master comes back ready to, to receive an account uh, from, from the servants. And, and he approaches a servant who had five talents. And, and the person who had five talents said, Master, look, you, you gave me five talents, but with these five talents you gave me, I made five more. So now we have 10 talents in total. And the master look at, looked at him and he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. And the master tells his servant, you've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. And you can enter into the joy of your master. Continue in verse 22. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So here we see the same thing happen with a servant who had two talents, as did a servant with five talents. He, he, he took those two talents and he made two more and reports this to his master. And his master looks at him and says, well done, a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And you can enter into the joy of your master. And then we see in verse 24, uh, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So don't worry, I, I, I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I am not sowed and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so here, the, the, the first two servants, they, they had a good report to their master saying, basically, we, we, we doubled uh, the, the investment that you gave us. And this third uh, servant came and gave his report to the master saying, you know, I was scared. I, I, I didn't want to mess up. And so I just buried uh, the, the talent that you gave me in the ground. Here is your talent back that you entrusted with me. And the master looks at him and says, you wicked and you slothful servant. The least you could have done is invested it with the bankers, and I could have received what is mine plus interest. But instead, you, you are a wicked and slothful servant. And what do we do with wicked and slothful servants? We, we throw them in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. <laughs> a powerful there. So what's the meaning behind this, power, uh, behind this parable? And we have to remember, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. And so this parable is about the, the coming kingdom. And the master entrusted his property to three servants. 
You could either uh, make the case that the, the master represents uh, God or Jesus. Uh, many would lean uh, more towards uh, it representing uh, Christ. I don't think it really matters too much whether it represents God or Christ. But regardless, the, the master here represents uh, the, God or Christ in a, in a position of power and authority. And on the other hand, we have the three servants. And, and the three servants, they represent you and I. They represent the servants of God and the servants of Christ. And each of the different servants, they, they were given a different amount from their master. The same applies to us today. God has blessed us in, in different qualities and different quantities. No person is blessed in the same exact manner uh, as another person uh, from God. God. God blesses us individually and unique to our circumstances. And so we don't have to look at the person on, on the left who, who was given five talents and the person on our right who is entrusted with one talent. We focus on ourselves. We, we all have been blessed with, with different uh, amounts and different uh, qualities of resources. Now, the first two servants, the servant uh, who received the five talents and the servant who re received the two talents, they went out and they doubled the investment that the owner entrusted them with. They used what they were given to advance their master's property. In other words, uh, the, the, the meaning behind this parable is that these two servants, they used what they were given to advance the kingdom. And because of this great work that they have done with the resources that God has blessed them with, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you can enter into my joy. In other words, you can enter into my kingdom. If you are faithful with the resources that God has blessed you with and you use them to advance his property, advance his kingdom, then guess what? You can enter into his joy. You can enter into his kingdom. Now, the servant who was entrusted with one talent and buried it was deemed a wicked and slothful servant. You know, the meaning behind this, the, the, the person who receives blessings from God, uh, whether that be financial or not, they did nothing with it. They did not advance God's kingdom one bit with the resources. And so what happens to this servant? Well, this servant is told in the front and the face of the master, you wicked and slothful servant, you are going to the place of the weeping uh, the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That worthless servant, that slothful servant, that wicked servant will be cast into the gates of hell because they did not use the resources that God has blessed them with to advance his coming kingdom. And so what's the moral of the story? Moral of the story essentially is we have to use what God has entrusted us with to advance his kingdom. And I think that the talents can represent any gift that God has blessed us with. I think this involves your skills. God, ha God has blessed you guys with different skills. And I think we need to use those skills to advance his kingdom. God's blessed us with, with different abilities, different family connections, different social positions, education experiences, and more. And we must use all of these gifts from God to expand his kingdom. And on top of all these other resources, this is literally talking about money. And so certainly, we must use the money that God has blessed us with to advance his coming kingdom. 
And the good news is, the good news, if we are faithful with the resources God has blessed us with to advance his kingdom, then we will be able to enter into the joy of the kingdom. That is the great news of this parable. The bad news of the parable is that if we idly sit by and don't use the resources God has blessed us with to advance his kingdom, then we will be deemed a wicked and slothful servant and will be cast into the gates of hell. And so we need to take action. God expects us to take action and use for good what he has blessed us with. You know, when, when the servant uh, who, who was presented one talent and buried it in the ground, the master said, well, you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my cutting I, sh- I should have received what was mine own with interest. God expects there to be a return on the resources that he blesses us with. We can't just, just re- re- return them to him with, with, with nothing to show for it. He, he, he expects a return from us. He expects us to take action and use for good what he has blessed us with. And we can be certain, we can be absolutely certain that the master is returning to check on us and see how we use the gifts that God has blessed us with. And so last week, we talked about how it is biblical to save money, talked about how it's biblical to spend our money on our necessities, and it's even biblical to spend our money to indulge from time to time in some of our pleasures. But on top of all of that, my personal opinion and idea, the most important thing that we can do with the resources that God has blessed us with is to advance his coming kingdom. And if we don't, then we have no part in that kingdom. And so we need to find a balance between these different ways that we can use our money. We need to find a balance between spending it on our home and the food and the water that we drink, providing for our families, paying our taxes, um, indulging in some of our pleasures. And then on top of all of that, using the money that God has blessed us with to advance his coming kingdom. And so practically speaking, how can we use our money to advance God's kingdom? We can do that by two ways. We, we, we can advance God's kingdom with the money that he has given us by either one, spending it, or two, giving it away. And by spending our money, there, there are lots of different things that we can spend our money on to, to advance God's kingdom. We're looking at this right now, right, right in front of me. 68 boxes here is a wonderful, wonderful illustration of how we can use the money that God has blessed us with to advance his coming kingdom. This, this is a marvelous example here standing right in front of me. We can, we can use it to buy Bibles for ourselves or for others. We can use our, our, our money to buy food, water, clothes, and shelter for the needy. Jesus uh, tells us in another parable that when you provide for the least of these, you're providing for Christ himself. And so there's many different ways in which we can use our money to advance God's kingdom here on earth by spending it. And on the other hand, we can also advance God's kingdom by giving away our money as well. 
Uh, for me uh, personally, uh, my two favorite places uh, to give money away to advance God's kingdom is the church. Uh, I believe uh, highly in, in what the church is doing. I think we're expanding. Uh, we're working towards expanding his kingdom. And for me personally, I love uh, investing in LHI, Lord's Harvest International, our, our, our nation, our worldwide uh, missions organization, part of our conference. I think they're doing a wonderful job of expanding his kingdom throughout the world. When we uh, take a look at, uh, at our church and our church's uh, spreadsheet, uh, our church gives away uh, some of the money that we intake. We, we give some of it uh, to the Church of God General Conference, another great uh, facet that we can give our money away to to advance his kingdom, uh, to the Northeast Conference, a smaller section of that Church of God, uh, to the Springfield uh, Project 12 with Stefan and Springfield. I believe each one of these organizations are expanding uh, God's kingdom. And so you, you can give your money to any organization that expands God's kingdom. And so when you do use the money that God has blessed you with to advance his kingdom and you remain faithful to him, then one day Jesus is going to come back to earth and he's going to look at you in your eyes and he's gonna tell you, well done, my good and faithful servant. You can enter into my joy, enter into the joy of the kingdom. Hallelujah, praise God, amen. I cannot wait for that glorious, glorious day. But for us, we need to be ready for that glorious, glorious day by being good stewards of God's money. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in your coming kingdom. Father, we thank you for the resources that you have blessed us with. And Father, I just pray that we collectively as a church, we use the resources that you have given us to advance your coming kingdom, that we can bring more and more and more people into the promise and the goodness and the celebration of your kingdom. And so Father, we love you. We thank you. I pray that you work many, many wonders, mighty wonders in and through us. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray, amen. <laughs>